Welcome back, Amazon sellers, to another episode of our interview series podcast. Today, we have a special guest joining our podcast. His Amazon business took off during the peak of COVID, selling outdoor fire pits in the UK, and now he sells £750,000 per year and is fast approaching becoming a seven-figure seller, working completely remote and living in Thailand. Join us to see how Chris sells in the UK marketplace while outsourcing parts of his business. Hope this episode will give you practical advice you can use right away to grow your online business. Check it out. Welcome to the next Amazon Top Seller Podcast. Stay updated with the latest Amazon news and learn the nitty gritty of selling on Amazon through Be Cool's years of experience in the Amazon world. I'm Nick, and I'm the host of this podcast brought to you by the fantastic Amazon experts at Be Cool. Let's start our journey to become the next Amazon top seller. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we have Chris, engineer of FBA. He's been selling on Amazon for about two years. And what makes him special is that he's working remotely in different countries, and he fully outsources Amazon business. He's now living in Thailand, and he makes money on Amazon. Later, he's going to share with us how he grew his Amazon business, how he automate things. Let's welcome Engineer of FBA on our channel today. Welcome, Chris. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Could you introduce yourself to the people who don't know you well yet? Yeah. So I'm Chris, or Engineer of FBA on Twitter and Eng of FBA on Instagram. Been selling on Amazon for about two years now. I sell in the UK market and I do a little bit in the USA. I've uh, born and raised in the USA, lived in the UK pretty much all my life. Now I travel around Thailand and Asia because I absolutely love it over here. I got started in that COVID chiminea hype crazy time, but you know, a lot of money to be made back then. Pretty much came straight out of university, tried to get a job, decided, hey, I don't like how much they're going to pay me. This is odd. I've done a five-year engineering degree and I'm getting paid this. I don't think this is fair. Started up Amazon, rolled with it, started, you know, doing that the 12 hour days. I think everybody does. It was tough. But now pretty much everything outsourced. I have an amazing team behind me and I work one to two hours a day in my Amazon business and I absolutely love it. And it gives me the freedom to travel. So I'd say that's a one to two me. hours, one to <laughs> yep. two hours a day. Wow. Yep. Oh my, I'm, I'm jealous. What, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, tell me when you first started Amazon, like did you start some other business before? Like how are you able to pick it up so quickly? So beforehand, I never did an actual, I mean, I guess it's a business, but I did Forex trading and I think it's called match betting with a friend, me and a friend who actually does Amazon alongside me. We're not on the same account. We do kind of separate accounts, but we always push each other. We did Forex and I've got to admit, I spent hundreds of hours trying to learn it, never made a penny, never invested a penny because I do the trial accounts and I five trades in, I've lost everything. Then I go again, I go again, I go again, <laughs> never made anything, but maybe the analysis from that really helped. And then I'd say the match betting, again, I made a little bit. For some reason, when I did it, I started tracking how much I'd made on a notepad. Never track anything on a notepad, use an Excel. But yeah, those are the two things that I did beforehand. And I definitely think they helped my analysis skills. But other than that, I've done no other businesses. But how did you learn about the Amazon business? Oh, so I remember during that COVID period, being at home and just kind of having loads and loads of free time, 
absolutely nothing to do. I just quit drinking. I quit drinking like two and a half, three years ago. Um, Congratulations. And of, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I had so much spare time and I had a friend say, hey, hey, you know, you can buy Lego and then sell it online and make money. And I was like, no way. There's no way that's possible. That doesn't make sense. So I went down this rabbit hole of YouTube into like learning. How can I make money online selling on Amazon? How can I make money selling online on Amazon? At the time, chimeneas, for some reason, were just ridiculously, you know, you could buy them from B&Q, buy one of them, take them home, sell them on eBay, Facebook, or Amazon, and just make loads of money. So I was just doing that. Me and my mom were driving every day, four to five hours, up and down the country, going to B&Ms, just buying chimeneas and other stuff and little log fire pits and things, and just selling those. But that's pretty much how we got started. And then I'd say a month or two in, I started learning about like replenishables, as I used to call them, where like, you know, you, you find an OA deal that you can buy today and then you can buy it in a week or two weeks from now again. Tell us, how much money did you start with? So I started out originally when I very, very first started. I started with a thousand pounds, which I put into sort of things like chimeneas. I bought some Warhammer 40K cards as well from B&M, which never sold. I still have those in my garage. Um, And then I'd say after about a month or two, because obviously I was at university and they give you like this maintenance loan. Well, I actually wasn't able to live at my university flat because of COVID. Like we all got told, just go home. You're not allowed to be here. Get out of here. Go home. Sent home. So I was like, hey, I've got like two and a half to three K sitting in my bank account that is meant to go towards university. I don't think I'm going to go back. I'm living at home with my parents. I'm very lucky that my parents never made me pay rent or anything like that. Absolutely love my parents. It helped me out so much when I started. I just put all that in. So I started with about four K, I would say, and I put every single penny into products. Probably about a thousand of that ended up sitting in the garage of chimeneas that didn't sell. But yeah, that's, that's what I really started with. How do you keep the overheads low? So I was prepping by myself. So I was doing self prep and I was using no virtual assistants for about the first eight to nine months. And then even when I kind of got a prep center, I sent some of my stuff to them, but I kept a lot of it. And you'd think like, oh, but you're only saving 50 to 60p an item. We were doing two to 3000 items a month. So we're saving an extra, you know, two grand a month by not using a prep center. Same with virtual assistants. People think, oh, I can get a virtual assistant. I can outsource my business. I can be so happy. You can, but they're about 500 pounds a month and they take a while to pay themselves off. You know, it takes a while for them to come in, learn how to source, learn your methods. It takes a while and I just see too many people go, I'm gonna get three of them straight away and then they struggle. When should they get a virtual assistant? It's a very specific topic to the person, but normally I would say, wait until you're doing about at least two to 3K profit a month by yourself. I mean, to be honest with you, I know a lot of people that do massive numbers and never get a virtual assistant. Everybody in Amazon kind of has their own goal. My goal in the end was to be able to travel and move around. I know a lot of people that work at this, like in the UK, like a nine to five, they source all themselves, they do everything themselves, but they make thousands, so much money, so much money that they make, but they have to invest more time. So it all depends on do you want to outsource and have more time or do you want to keep everything in-house, make more money, but then you're going to be spending all your time on the business? Basically, wait until you're making two to three K profit, preferably doing 20 K sales or something and above, and then outsource. You need to be a master of sourcing before you can outsource. So talking about like sourcing, uh, what business model like do you recommend beginners to start out with? Ooh, so beginners, I would definitely say retail arbitrage. Now, the reason for that is 
I think some of the funnest times on Amazon for me and the bits that made me fall in love with it were going around B&M to B&M, B&Q to B&Q with my family, just looking around for like different products, just scanning everything. I mean, it was so much fun. I wouldn't want someone to miss out on that. Online arbitrage is a great way to start too, but you don't get that same amount of fun from just right-clicking on a product and hitting SaaS search. It's not the same. I mean, I had my mom, my grandma, my dad. I used to have my grandma going into a store to do a weekly shop and she'd be sending me pictures of things and like, does this make money? Does this make money? And I'm sitting there scanning it away. We had the whole family on it. And I think it's something everybody should try. Tell us, what niche do you recommend uh, beginners to start with? So beginners to start with, I always say to the people that I help that sort of go into a proven niche now, there's always more competition in a proven niche, but you're more likely to be able to find some things and just learn your sourcing. So beauty, toys, grocery is always a good one. And then later on, you can start to move into other categories and explore. Now, if you're doing retail arbitrage, just go for anything. Just go into the store and scan some stuff. Go into a B&M scan, go into a Tesco scan, whatever is reduced. But at the beginning, toys, beauty, grocery, Focus on major brands. If I, a working professional who has a regular nine to five job, I only have one to two hours a day to work on Amazon or e-commerce or other type of businesses, what would you suggest I do? So one thing I would say, if you have one to two hours, now that's where it's fine to go down the prep center route straight away, because likely you'll be coming in with more capital. If you're coming in with more capital, you can outsource the prep straight away to make sure you're focusing on your sourcing. Now, what I would effectively say to do is focus on sourcing and deal analysis. And that is pretty much it. Now, to be honest, again, if you're coming in with one to two, one to two hours a day and that's it and you have capital, I would probably find a mentor or a coach because you don't have the time to make all those mistakes. You need to be going in and pretty much sourcing effectively from day one. But if you don't have that, I would say go straight away to sourcing, focus on sourcing, find five, 10 products, buy one or two of each of them, see how they do, learn the Keepa analysis as you go. I think at the beginning, people pretty much have to make mistakes. You have to buy one or two products, make a mistake, see why it doesn't sell, and then you will learn that forever. First product I bought didn't have a sales rank and the reviews weren't raising. So that product never sold. But I know from now on, every product that I buy, bar a couple, has to have a sales rank. So yeah. So when you're sourcing product at the very start, what are some of the parameters that you would recommend people to check? You talked about the sales rank. Now, the sales rank, uh, you know, what kind of percentages are we looking at the bestseller rank? Like what, what kind of percentage, you know, top 5% or, or what is it? So the way that I like to do it is I like to look more at the FBA competition compared to the actual sort of sales per month. If something sells five times per month, but there's nobody there competing, well, I could jump on that listing and get five sales a month. So I'm pretty happy with that. Now I could have another item which sells 25 times a month. No, okay, that sounds great. It sounds a lot faster. But what if there's 30 people on that list? I'm not getting any sales per month. So I find it's more about pretty much the amount of sales to the FBA competition. And I don't count FBA competition that's way overpriced. Say the buy box is at 30 pounds and somebody's priced in at 50. I, I don't even see them as competition because they're obviously way too high priced. They're not anywhere near competitive. So basically I would look at sales per month 
compared that to the number of FBA sellers. Other than that, in terms of parameters, I like to have at least one to two pound of profit per item. If you're self prepping, you could probably raise that. So you spend more time sourcing and less time pretty much just prepping. I mean, if you're slapping on a label for 50p per item, it may not be worth it. Maybe easier to find three pound profit per item items. I like to go for 30% ROI and above if you're not VAT registered. If you are VAT registered, I would say 25% ROI and above. Other than that, make sure you're ungated. If not, make sure you can get an invoice. Avoid DG and hazmat unless you have a way to legally ship it in. I would say that's one other way, just to go back to a previous question that I see people fail, breaking the law with uh, dangerous goods and hazmat. I know of a guy that sent in a can of paint to FBA or something like that ended up spilling, completely damaging a UPS van, and uh, he ended up having to pay for all of it. And I don't think he ever started selling on Amazon again. Yeah, the question is, do you have any tips for dealing with taxes? <sighs> Honestly, I wish I did, because then, <laughs> then I would be better at taxes. I powered through my first year and got an accountant straight away, because I, in my opinion, if I don't have to deal with taxes, I'm a very happy person. In terms of things that I picked up, I know a fair few people that sell on Amazon and stay below the 85k a year, but they focus on extremely high ROI, high margin stuff. So that's almost a way to deal with taxes is never pass the VAT threshold until you have this big amount of cash and you can get an account straight away. Other than that, I know that you get for every sort of mile that you drive, you that you can say as a business person for a business purpose, you can write off some of your fuel or some of the cost of your fuel. So pretty much you can write off almost all of your fuel because you could always say that you were looking at items or trying to find something. That's at least from my understanding, but I am not the best when it comes to tax. <laughs> so definitely um, take the tips from uh, Chris and you could also get an accountant if you're worried. But yeah. when should you get an accountant? What's your advice? Oh, I think a good accountant pays their weight in gold. So I would say once you're doing a couple thousand a month, I would say get an accountant. I recently had to do my like my first year sole trader sort of tax return sort of thing. I won't say exact numbers, but my friend who didn't have an accountant who sold far less than me ended up paying five times the amount in tax than I did, who actually sold far more. And that is physically because of how good my accountant is. So he ended up- right saving me money compared to him who went the non-accountant route. So tell us, when did you start using a repricer? Oh, so I started using a repricer, I would say a bit later than I probably should have. I started using a repricer three, four months in. I did it a lot manual at the start because they just, I didn't know they existed. To be honest, I wasn't in any social media spaces when I first started. So yeah, I would say about three, four months in, but I normally recommend people to get one when they're about 25 assins, something like that, when it's starting to get too much to handle and it's starting to spill over into your day to day. I know a lot of people that try to sit there and reprice manually all the time. And you notice they kind of never switch off Amazon. And if you don't switch off in the evenings, you're going to burn out. Right. So um, you recommend people, you know, if they have more than 25 ASINs or listings, uh, that they should get. Uh, a repricer. It's interesting because we recommend people 50 to 100. But uh, why should you get a repricer this early on? I'm curious. So because of how BQL works, and you guys have that free trial, I always recommend yes. people to try it when they have 25 assins. And then they can see, well, is it actually saving me a bunch of time and making me more money? Okay, I'll keep it. Or am I maybe not ready for it yet? 
And then they go, okay, maybe I'm not ready for it yet. I'll leave it for a while until I have that 50 to 100. But it genuinely depends. Like if you can save an extra 15, 20 minutes a day by not manually repricing and put that time into sourcing, then you could technically make more money than it's costing you by having a repricer, if you see what I mean. Could you tell us what kind of rules do you use for your repricing? So what we like to do a lot of is match the buy box. I mean, we pretty much match the buy box down to a certain certain amount. We also use the, it's the CR inventory age conditions, right? Yeah, um, conditional repricing. Yeah, conditional repricing. We use that one a lot to change the ROI as we go. And we're currently in the process of building out sort of a repricer that would like cost average. So when we have maybe price average would be the right term. So sell some of the stock at X amount of ROI, some at another ROI, some at another ROI. And then we end up with this middle level of ROI, but it helps our cash flow because we're selling some of it faster, some of it slower. But those are the main ones that we use. We use a lot of match the buy box. And then we love the one where it's a raise when you get the buy box, but there's no competition and it raises it to just below the next competitor. Absolutely love that because it makes me more That's money. fantastic. <laughs> I'm super happy for you. So how has Bequel helped your business? Oh, well, so I was actually with another repricer back in November, October time, and we were right. doing about a thousand pound in sales a day. Now, okay. for the amount of stock that I had at the time, that was not good. I mean, we were struggling. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. We had all this stock. It was doing well. It was competitive. We just weren't getting sales. Now, I had a friend, Gavin Sweeney, who's another Twitter, absolutely amazing guy. He said, well, why don't you try BQL? Why don't you jump over to it? So I jumped onto the free trial, spent about four hours putting in, because we had a lot of assins, putting in all the costs, setting it up. Next day, we went from 1K in sales to 7K. Instant. Oh, wow. Instantly. Insane. <laughs> 7K. <laughs> and yeah, so I mean, <laughs> at one point, BQL pretty much saved my business because my sales were non-existent. Move over to BQL and it did whatever price it was meant to do. And yeah, that... uh really, really helped. <laughs> I'm super happy for you. Can you describe a day in your life? Because you said that you work one to two hours in your Amazon business. What do you do with other time? Oh, so I normally like to wake up. I normally take an hour or two to pretty much just drink my coffee, relax outside, read something. I like to read a lot of books on systems because that's how I find I'm going to get myself down even more time in the business. Now, I would probably say around 12-ish. I normally like to go eat. I always love to eat out in Thailand. The food over here is absolutely amazing, but I like to do a little bit of fasting in the morning just so I don't eat too much over here. <laughs> um, then I do that about, I do about half an hour to an hour a day on my UK side of the business. And I do half an hour to an hour a day on my USA side of the business, mostly just meeting with my lead, my lead VA. And then on Wednesdays or Fridays, I usually have a team meeting. Other than that, I'll hit a gym session. I'll hit a Muay Thai session drive around on my motorbike. And then I'm always in the nighttime looking for different things to do out here, whether it be food, whether it be going to see some of the nightlife, whether it be going to see if they have any of the night markets open because the night markets here have amazing food and things to do. Oh my God, the food That's at the amazing. night markets is amazing. I'm jealous, man. Sounds like the lifestyle, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what are your future plans uh, specifically for your Amazon business and also travel? So... Future plans for my Amazon business. Now I'd like to get it down to the point where I'm doing like one to two hours a week per business. I think that's going to take a bit longer. I'm not sure my team is ready to take over absolutely everything yet. UK, we've actually moved into wholesale as well. So scale up the wholesale in the UK. 
eventually do the same sort of thing in the USA. But for now, the online arbitrage is pretty much amazing in the USA. So we'll stick with that. And yeah, hopefully hit the point where we're doing a million in sales in the UK in a 12-month period. We've hit that seven figures in lifetime sales, but we haven't hit it in a 12-month period just yet. We're at about 750 to 800K in 12 months, nearly there, and then do the same wow. in the USA. So for your business, why did you pick the UK market, um, not the US market? Because a lot, most of the people, a lot of people that I talk to, they're all based in the US. They, they're all using the US market. Very few uh, do so well in the UK market. So it was actually just because of where I was. I was living in the UK, so I could just sell in the UK. I, I didn't want to have any kind of crazy overheads or any kind of like, it seemed confusing to me how I would sell in the USA and be in the UK. I didn't understand that. It didn't make sense. So like just being in the UK, I was kind of forced into the UK market. And the UK market is still, a, I would say, a very good market. The only thing is it's completely different to the USA. The sourcing in the USA, I find, is very different to the UK. You'd think they'd be the exact same, but very, very different. But that's the main reason I went to the UK was pretty much just living there. What was the main difference between sourcing in the UK and sourcing in the US? I would have to say it's almost kind of the manufacturing margin that I see a lot of in the USA. Like in the USA, there's a lot of like people using like discounted gift cards to get an extra couple percentage. There's a lot more discount codes. There's a lot more, I mean, discount codes, making sure there's all these different little methods in the USA that kind of don't exist in the UK. Like in the UK, there's no such thing as discounted gift cards. We don't use coupon codes that often. A lot of it is like newsletter sourcing where we're getting an email, then we're going to source there. But those are the main differences, I would say, is people can almost like make a profitable product even more profitable in the USA, which was something I was not used to. But if somebody's getting a product at 15 and I'm getting it at 20, I need to figure out how to get it down to 15. Otherwise, I'm not competitive, right? Last two questions. What do you usually do in your free time? And you said you read a lot of books and you do a lot of traveling. Do you have other hobbies? Other hobbies? I would say I absolutely love MMA Muay Thai. Like that's one of the big reasons that I came over here was be able to do um, Muay Thai Thai boxing in Thailand. Absolutely wow. love it. For anyone that's never done it, it is worth a shot. Um, scary for that first session, but after that, the ties are extremely nice. They'll help you out. They'll teach you everything. Um, maybe one day you'll even have a fight over here. That's something I want to do this year is have my first, um, first fight in Thailand. Um, PP Island. PP yeah. Island. I'll go watch you. That's awesome. Yeah. So guys, if you're an action taker and you want to work with somebody who has already done it, like he's currently doing it, he's getting the sales. He's grew from. Uh, starting out with 4,000 pounds to $750,000 of sales on Amazon pounds. Now, follow Chris, apply to go into his coaching program. And is there any special deal for our Bequal audience if they applied for your coaching program? For sure. I definitely think if you guys apply to the coaching program, I could get you guys a good 10 to 15% off. Shoot me over a message, probably do 15% off if that works for you. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Kate, really appreciate that. So 15% off, make sure to follow our channel and also go follow Chris's channel. Comment on the video uh, to get your $59.99 free course from Chris. Uh, and then also go and contact Chris uh, for his mentorship, for his coaching program. You know, there's a limit in the space. 
There's, he has a limit in his time. He's very busy. So make sure to contact him as soon as you can. Uh, follow us and follow Chris. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Amazon sellers. I hope you enjoyed this incredible episode with our fantastic guest, Chris. We create these great interviews so that you can gain the most valuable insights into Amazon's business. While other Amazon sellers spend years accumulating experience, you can listen to their stories and learn valuable tips in mere minutes. So make sure you listen to other podcasts on our channel. To watch the full video where Chris talks about how he works remotely and outsources everything, make sure to visit our YouTube channel. By the way, do you know what Chris and the other hundreds of thousands of Amazon sellers have in common? They all use the best AI repricer on the market, which helps them to win the Amazon Buy Box 24-7. Join our community and try out a 14-day free trial for the best equal AI repricer and become the next Amazon top seller. See you soon. Thank you for listening. If you would like to stay connected with our weekly new episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, or any other streaming platform you prefer. Let's continue our journey to become the next Amazon top seller. 